Waitresses are adept at reading body language. So are wives who've lived under the same roof as angry drunks. And I had been both. A wife for 14 years and a waitress for almost four. Part of my job was to know, sometimes even before customers did, what they wanted. I could do that with my ex, too. Anticipate exactly what he wanted the second he came through the door. And yet, whenever I tried to turn that skill on myself, to anticipate my own needs, I couldn't. I hadn't planned to become a waitress. Does anyone? I got the job at Cafe Rose after my ex died. And in the following four years, as I moved from grief to anger to a kind of numb limbo, I waited. I waited on people. I waited on time. I waited on life. Still, I actually kind of liked my job. Working in a place like Cafe Rose, in a city like New Orleans, you get your regulars, your favorites, and a few you try to pawn off on your co-workers. Dell couldn't stand serving the local eccentrics because they were bad tippers. But I overheard the best stories. So we had a trade-off. I would take the eccentrics and the musicians if she waited on the students or anyone with babies and strollers. My absolute favorites were the couples. This one couple in particular. Strange maybe to say this, but I'd get butterflies whenever they walked in. The woman was in her late thirties. Beautiful in the way some French women are. Glowing skin, short hair, and yet she had an undeniably feminine air. Her man, well, the guy she always came in with, had an open face with brown hair shaved close to his head. He was tall with a lean, lithe body, and a little younger than her, I think. Neither the man nor the woman wore wedding rings, so I wasn't sure about the exact nature of their relationship. But whatever it was, it was intimate. They always looked like they'd just come from having sex or were heading to do just that after a quick lunch. Every time they sat down, they did this thing where the guy would place his elbows on the table, opening up his hands to face her. She'd wait a beat, then gently place her elbows on the table in front of his, and they'd suspend their hands, palms open, an inch from each other's, as though there was a gentle force preventing them from touching, just for a second, before it got cheesy or was noticeable to anyone but me. Then their fingers would interlock. He would kiss the tips of her fingers, now framed by the backs of his hands, one after the other, always left to right. She would smile. All this happened quickly, so quickly, before they'd separate their hands and scan the menu. Watching them, or trying to watch without seeming to watch, triggered a deep, familiar longing in me. I could feel what she felt, as though it was his hand caressing mine, or my forearm, my wrist. The life I'd lived held no such longings. Tenderness wasn't familiar to me, nor urgency. My ex-husband, Scott, could be kind and generous when he was sober, but towards the end, when his drinking had him by the throat, he was anything but. After he died, 
I cried for all the pain he had been in and all the pain he had caused, but I didn't miss him. Not even a little. Something atrophied in me, then died, and soon five years had passed since I'd had sex. Five years. I often thought of this accidental celibacy like it was a skinny old dog left with no choice but to follow me. Five years came with me everywhere, tongue-walling, trotting on its toes. When I tried on clothes, five years lay panting on the floor of the change room, its gleaming eyes ridiculing my attempt to look prettier in a new dress. Five years also parked itself beneath every table of every tepid date I went on, slumped at my feet,